The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. We are continuing on with a series on resilience. This is the uh, third part of this three-part series. And so it's exciting for Josh and me to share this platform today. We have today four principles for resilience. And so each one of us have chosen two of them. And we're going to weave them in together and just see how they work together and see what our ideas come up with. So uh, resilience, of course, is that, that ability to, get, to gain strength, to rise up, to feel stronger, to have courage, to move forward in the direction that we choose to, that we want to, that we're called to, as opposed to when things happen in our life, when we're disappointed about a dream we're pursuing or some challenging condition comes up, that we can get stuck and we can get trapped in the condition themselves and sometimes feel powerless. I know when I'm not feeling resilient, I tend to feel powerless. And while that's not a bad place to go, that's not a wrong place to go, uh, that often happens that we want to go into that place for a little while to nurture ourselves and to feel our sadness. Uh, my concern about it is that when people live in that place for 20, 30 years. And so we want to invite ourselves into great resilience. And so there are some steps that we want to offer that we hope will help anyone who might be struggling in this way to gain greater resilience. And so my first uh, step today in the four principles is called accessing the God portal. Now, I talked a little bit about this last week, and I tend to talk a lot about this because it's one of my passionate things. I really have said before, if there's one thing, if the world could get one thing, it's that God is all there is. And I've often said to, to people when we write these talks, I don't know how it is for you, Josh, but I, I feel like every week when I get to speak, my basic bottom line is God is all there is. You are that which God is. Now go live your life that way. And we have to find creative ways to say that. And so we've got some creative things today and creative ways to say that. And so finding how we actually can begin to embody that sense of the living presence is what I'm talking about today in this step. Joel Goldsmith, who's an author that I just love, says, bring your consciousness to the place where you rise above merely a belief in God and come into the experience of communion with God. Then you no longer have any beliefs about God. You have the experience. And so I've been thinking a lot after our time with uh, Gene Houston, and I have some other Gene Houston quotes here, but a number of years ago when I was in ministerial school, we, I went to a Gene Houston workshop. Gene's workshops are not just uh, workshops where you sit and listen to Gene talk. You get up and you move and you act things out. In this particular week-long workshop, she had us in Huntington Beach, at the Huntington Beach Hilton, right there on the ocean, um, living out the, the pathway of the last days of Jesus, living out the pathway of Buddha. We were in little groups, and we were, we were to uh, act out those last days. And I remember walking through the hotel with my little small group, and each one of us had to pretend at one point we were carrying the cross. And actually, we started out baptizing each other in the swimming pool. And uh, the tourists felt this was very interesting, for sure. And it was one of the most profound workshops that I've ever been to. In the time when we were studying Buddha, we would go sit under a tree and imagine that we were the Buddha sitting under the Bodhi tree and just being in that place and in a way waiting for enlightenment but absolutely knowing that it was right where we were and it was very powerful and what it did is it took me from just telling these stories and knowing these stories and hearing these stories 
to imagining what it must have been like to be Jesus walking that path, to be the Buddha walking that path. And that's my first point today. When we're talking about God is all there is, it's not enough just to think it and talk about it and to intellectualize about it. And so there are many doorways into the divine. Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is right here. It is right now. And what happens is that we get very attuned to the world of form and we begin to believe that this world of form is all that God is. And so we get caught and that's where we can get stuck in not being resilient. That's where we can sometimes feel powerless because the world of form sometimes appears to show us it's going to be hard. You're not going to do it. It's going to be challenging. You don't, you're not strong enough. You're not, you're not uh, wise enough. You're not uh, whatever enough that goes on in each one of our heads. So there are many doorways to God, but I want to talk about the sensorial doorways, which is another thing that Jean talked about, your entelechy, your ability to use your sensory uh, uh, abilities to actually not only experience this world of form, but to deepen into the divine. And of course, quickly, those are sight, the ability to see this beautiful world of form. And when I'm seeking to embody and walk through the doorway of God, I have to be more resilient about noticing when that divine presence shows up. Not only in the beautiful things in nature, but sunrises and things like that, but seeing God even in my challenging circumstances or in the pain that I'm in or the struggle that I'm in, seeing the ways that synchronicity shows up. So I see in the world of form and I see into my own spirit and I see the truth about who I am and I use my sight to see more deeply. And of course, hearing, allowing ourselves to hear beautiful music like we have here at Mile High Church and that our world has right now, being able to hear and not only hear the beauty of life, the birds singing, to hear the wind blowing, but to hear that inner voice of the divine within me and allow it to help me rise up and be more resilient. And uh, to, to smell God. I wonder what God smells like. I've thought a lot about that, Josh. There's lots of smells in the world that are lovely and bring me into a state of, ah, oh, the smell of bread cooking or cookies cooking or the, the smell of the pine trees in the mountains. And I bet the smell of Nancy's hair, right? Well, bread dough, I think bread you got dough, it. Bread dough, yeah. What did I say? <laughs> bread dough. That's bread what you said. Dough. That's oh, okay. the smell of God That's cooking. the smell of God. You, well, geez, I didn't know that. You <laughs> got it. I was going to think that you would say that Nancy's hair, your daughter's hair, was the smell it, of God. It, it is, yeah. yes. Yeah, okay. I think so, too. <laughs> so that smell, that, that ability to, to, to sense, as I'm in those moments of Godhood, what does the divine smell like? What's the smell that I have? And for me, it's often a very sweet smell, almost like incense, to taste the divine and feel the divine, not only in the, the things that we take into our bodies to nourish ourselves as we bless our food, but to taste the presence of the living spirit as me and to feel it, to feel that everything that I am touching is the divine in action. And so to live with that, that life and that discipline, I think can help us encounter life in a way that Joel Goldsmith is talking about and really embrace it. I think that's so beautifully said, Michelle, you know, especially this idea that the answer to that question about the sensing God can be different for, for all of us. But right. the, the key is, is anything that we approach with awareness, the willingness to go to that God portal can inspire us. So it's the message for me from what you said is stop paying attention to what doesn't get you into that portal right. and take time each day to get into it. So that's a wonderful principle for resilient living. And uh, the second principle that I get to share today is an attitude of humility. And I'd like to begin by asking all of us to think about something that bugs us. 
something that bothers you. You got, you got something? You got it? People, yes, I got it. People okay. who throw their cigarette butts out of their car. Oh. Bugs me. Ugh. Okay, I, I'm glad you didn't say me. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, I have a little saying that I try to utilize. It, it, it sounds good, but it's hard in practice. And it's, it's this, don't let what shakes you make you. Mm-hmm. Don't let what shakes you make you. Easier said than done because I can be easily shaken uh, at times. And when we think about this thing that's bothering us, whether it's a circumstance or it's an individual, um, it's hard sometimes not to take that personally. Uh, And that that for me, I've always been challenged with Don Miguel's uh, agreement about don't take things personally. That's hard for me. I tend to take everything kind of personally. Or I think Terry Cole Whitaker said, what you think of me is none of my business. Uh, I want to get into the the cabinets of your mind and find find out. But just because I take it personally doesn't mean that I have to fall into the position that it's all about me. Uh, And something that I can do and all of us can do when we're faced with something that's challenging us is, is to ask yourself the following three questions. First, is there anything in this challenge or in what this challenging person is saying that I can learn from? Is there some valid feedback in there for me? Is there a lesson to be learned? Because sometimes learning what that is can help us move past what the challenge is. Um, Second is what does this challenge or this challenging person really want me to know? You know, sometimes when faced with a problem, we think that the first thing to do is to rush to find a solution. And in my experience, I've learned that the best thing to do is to listen. What does this person really want me to know about them? Even if they're attacking me with a critique that's all about me, what do they want me to know about them? Sometimes when I can hear what that is and realize perhaps it's not something negative at all, but a, a heart, something that's, that's been trapped from being shared, then I can move past that challenge as well. And lastly, could this be for my highest good? Could there be something in this conflict or in this challenge that's for my highest good? And if the answer is no, then we want to get rid of it and probably put boundaries in the middle of that relationship as soon as possible. But if there's an opportunity to better embody the virtues of my heart, um, the purpose of my living, and to practice those in those situations, I found, even though I may not be thankful for the challenge or the challenging person, I'm thankful for the experience because it's given me the opportunity to practice those virtues in a creative way that helps me pull through it. And there are so many different examples of humility and and an attitude of humility. And one of my favorites is just a a, a small story about a a woman named Dr. Dorothy Warburton. And she... today, or she actually passed away in 2016, but she spent the majority of her career helping women who had uh, miscarriages have babies. She did incredible scientific work, but she grew up in the 40s and 50s when women weren't allowed to do that kind of thing. Her uh, dad had wanted a a son, um, but didn't have one, and so still decided to share his scientific knowledge with Dorothy through her life, and she excelled in school, but even when she graduated high school, her goal, she said, was one day I can be a secretary to a great scientist. (laughs) And so she didn't know necessarily her own power, but she kept at it. Uh, She went and got her bachelor's degree, was encouraged to get her master's, was encouraged to get her doctorate, and she began to get a sense of just how intelligent and talented she was. Uh, In her her first job, she did make a complaint that there wasn't enough women on committees, and they responded by making her uh, the chairperson (laughs) of the refreshment committee. Oh my gosh. So it's challenging when the world around you doesn't see your brilliance 
and, and challenges you. Um, but what Dorothy did is she dedicated herself to listening to women who had experienced miscarriages in a way that they apparently weren't being heard by the, ma the male doctors. Hundreds and hundreds of women, and she went through her own experiences and began to discover genetic aspects that were affecting these things. So today we can say that there are countless babies who have been born uh, and, and women who've been helped because of the humble work that she has done. And it's a lesson to me that there's a difference between survival and resilience. You know, survival is just trying to get by with your own skin. Right. You know, resilience is about recognizing your values and being willing to take them on a faith walk, no matter what your challenges may be. And that's where that attitude of humility comes in. Don't fall into any picture that the world around you may ask you to conform to other than that vision that God has placed in your heart. Live from that with humility, not with forcefulness, but for a willingness. And it's amazing the adventures of life that unfold. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, thank you. And of course, one of the adventures of life that I've brought today are Jedi mind tricks. <sighs> Principle number three. Principle number three. She used the force to pick that up, by the way. It just it went did. right it just into her hand. came to me. <laughs> I love this. I, I really do love this. And this was, this was uh, inspired, uh, I love your story that you just told, and this for me was inspired by a, a fictional character. In the Rogue One movie, uh, there's a fictional character who is a Jedi, and he, uh, he fights, he's blind, and he fights the fights by listening to the Force. And he has an affirmation. It's really fascinating. Um, and I love this because Gene Houston says, as to your story, if you keep telling the same sad, small story, you will keep loving the same sad, small life. And I really resonate with that. And as I watched this character, I thought, well, gosh, this guy isn't even real. Why am I so drawn to him? And as he would go into a fight, he, he said, uh, the force is with me and I'm with the force. And I fear nothing for all this is for all this is as the force wills it. And then as he would fight, he would say, I am one with the force, the force is one with me. I am one with the force, the force is one with me. And I call it a Jedi mind trick because, of course, this character uh, won most of his fights. He didn't win them all. But even as he was dying, even as he was losing the battle that many of us fear losing the most, he was saying, I am one with the force and the force is one with me. And that really inspired me to say that a part of being a, a resilient person is finding these phrases that are powerful, not just affirmations, not just little things you can say, but that are, that are words of power that can be repeated that allow me, even in my most challenging, tragic moments of feeling beaten down, that I can say these words and feel empowered. And so those words have rung out to me. I'm one with the force and the force is one with me. And I think that, I think that George, uh, who wrote all those stories, uh, had Ernest Holmes in mind, had our teaching in mind, because I do think that a lot of those stories do talk about the potential of the force or of the divine, the potential that humans have when we recognize that we can uh, transcend the challenges that we face and rise up. But the challenge that it takes is for us to work with that force and to be um, embodying that force and to call it forth. So this principle, this third principle, is about using my words, my thoughts, and as I'm moving through my most challenging times. And sometimes where that starts is just with, I'm willing. I'm willing to be an instrument of the divine today. I'm willing to see this differently. I'm willing to let go of that 
that, of taking it personally. I'm willing to let go of, of my sense of unworthiness. I'm willing to stand strong. I'm willing to walk forward. Sometimes that's the starting place and that's okay. Other times it is as I'm walking through that challenging day, as I'm walking into that, that moment where I'm about to make my dreams come true, I am one with the force and the force is one with me. I am one with God and God is one with me. And it unleashes that creativity that is seeking expression through us. And that's a powerful thing to have unleashed through us. Number four. <laughs> I love I'll that. Put my lightsaber away. <laughs> <laughs> no Jedi mind tricks on me in the middle yeah. of my, my sharing here. And uh, I think that is something I really admire about you, Dr. Michelle, and your, your leadership, the ability to be faced with you know, challenges in our church that we're facing right now. And uh, um, something I see you do, do is you kind of quietly go within. You, know, you see, is there something there for me, uh, how to show up? And, and now I know what you're chanting. Yeah. <laughs> now you <laughs> I do. know what's there. I've just unleashed my secret. <laughs> <laughs> we can use the, the force in incredible ways, yes, most definitely. And the, the fourth principle to share for resilient living today uh, is everyday courage. Everyday courage. What does it mean in your life to practice a little bit of courage every day? And I love something that Maya Angelou said in one of the last interviews before she passed away. She said, courage is the most important of all the virtues. Because without courage, you can't practice any of the other virtues consistently. You can't be consistently fair or kind or generous or forgiving. Any of these without courage. And there's that, that aspect of, of facing our, our major fears. The things that may be coming up, the big trials. But there's another aspect of courage that says face something you fear, even if it's a little bit, every day. Because when we line our lives with a foundation of courage, it gives us the ability, as Angelou shares, to practice the virtues that are needed to, to overcome anything that might be taking place. And I, I love that about um, Michelle's message, mentioning that the, the man ultimately lost a fight. He lost a fight, and we may lose fights, but we never have to lose who, who we are. We never have to lose what we know. So don't allow that awareness to be hidden and, and continue to confront your day with a little bit of courage um, all the time. I, I also love how the Irish po poet Brendan Behan said it. He said, many of our fears are tissue paper thin, and a single courageous step would carry us clear through them. So keep working through the tissue paper. Uh, since uh, Michelle brought up uh, Star Wars, I, I feel the need to counter with a little Harry Potter, if that's <laughs> okay. Uh, I did forget my wand uh, today. Uh, and in the universe of Harry Potter, there is a creature called a boggart. Oh, uh, yeah. Do you know what a boggart I is? I do. Uh -huh. Yes, there are these, these creatures that take on the form of what you're most afraid of. And in the land of fantasy, that sounds pretty cool and interesting. But in real life, I found it's true as well, don't you? We can often take a paranoid vision or take a consciousness of fear and project it on that person that's challenging us and project it on that upcoming situation that we're worried about. We can build a whole story about it that we see it for everything other than what it is. And in Harry Potter mythology, what you do is you take your wand, you point it at the boggart and you say, ridiculous. Uh, and it transforms into something funny. Now, if you are a, a witch or a wizard, use that spell, uh, all the power to you. But for the rest of us, 
maybe it's not about turning what, af- what makes us afraid into something ridiculous, but maybe we can take some time to see it for what it really is. To remember ourselves as we really are. To remember the truth of our being in all that we do, because our ability to do just that uh, can help um, pull us through. And we can see the things that we're saying we're most afraid of aren't truly as frightening or as scary as it looks. That's the kind of everyday courage that each of us can be called to. That's the kind of everyday courage that for me made John Lewis such an exceptional American and such an exceptional uh, human being. Uh, John Lewis, we know for his moments of great courage, riding uh, next to um, a white person on a Greyhound bus, not knowing what was going to happen when they got let out, sitting up there in front and being beaten um, bloodily, both of them and other people there as well, fighting for civil rights, getting up and speaking in front of thousands and thousands of people with Martin Luther King Jr. at the National Mall, walking across that bridge in Selma right there up front, right in the front of the line, the first to take the beatings of the sheriff's department that day. Those are the the great acts of courage that we remember John Lewis practiced, all, by the way, in the heart of the philosophy that we bring into our church of nonviolence, being a presence of love, refusing to give in to hate or violence, standing in that truth of resilience within who we are, that resilience of spirit that says, I may not see the spiritual truth around me, but I know it is within me. And I surrender to that truth within me and know that it can transform my life in incredible ways. What truly made John Lewis great for me is all the little things that he did. That never giving up on the fight for civil rights, he chose public service. And he went to the grind, not only being a mentor for all the members of the house, but continuing to be a voice for equal rights in all different ways, in a way that we know isn't just about protesting, but it's that hard, everyday work uh, that so many of our leaders seek so hard to do, and perhaps they don't get enough credit for. And so honoring that everyday courage, we can ask ourselves, not are the big, what are the big, great, courageous things that I've done or I'm doing, but what, is, what can I do today to practice a little bit more courage a little bit more heart, that's what courage means, to live with heart, and to bring a little bit more of my own virtues into our life. It is time to let go through the power of resilience of the phantoms that perhaps have been allowed to run our lives too long. It's time to step into that heart of virtue, that heart that is that portal to God that Dr. Michelle was talking about, that that heart of, of deeper and inner knowing to practice it more concretely and emphatically in our lives. I love how Elizabeth Gilbert put it in her most one of her most recent books called Big Magic, which is about working with creativity, but to me it's just as much about working with your own inner courage. She says, Who the hell do you think you are? Your darkest interior voices will demand. It's funny you should ask, you can reply. I'll tell you who I am. I am a child of God, just like anyone else. I am a constituent of the universe. I have the invisible spirit benefactors who believe in me and who labor alongside me. The fact that I am here at all is evidence that I have the right to be here. 
I have a right to my own voice and a right to my own vision. I have a right to collaborate with creativity because I myself am a product and a consequence of creation. I'm on a mission of artistic liberation, so let the girl go. See, Gilbert says, now you're the one doing the talking. Any final thoughts on resilience for us, Michelle, before we close with prayer? No, I think those beautiful words that you just read really say it all, and I loved all your great points. I got really, um, had energy. I think it's those practitioners in this room. I've just been flooded with energy here today, so I'm just standing here going, whoa, I'm vibrating like crazy. It's so. great to have the energy, and uh, the, the, the force is strong in the you. The force is strong in you, me, young <laughs> one. <laughs> and the force is strong in you as well, and it, it's such an honor to ask all of our practitioners in the room to stand up and join us as we move into an affirmative prayer. Simply acknowledging the spirit of life alive in us today. May we make that commitment to make this spirit and living from the spirit the primary action of our lives. We let nothing come first but that which leads to a deeper realization and embodiment and practice of love. And I know that as we embody and practice just this, that the very heart of resilience, which is the very heart of that ancient saying, Emmanuel, God is with us, God is with you, God is with me, God is with all of us. We bring forth that resilient spirit, bringing forth the hidden truths of invisible things that greater sense of unity, that greater sense of equity, that greater sense of self-understanding, that greater sense of authenticity, that greater demonstration of healing, the epiphany of deeper knowing, that ability to live life, not on low, but on high, appreciating the gifts in each and every moment and knowing that as we do so, we become the gift ourselves. A gift for our own consciousness, a gift for those we love, a gift for those who are hurting, who are suffering, who are sick, who feel alone or discriminated against. Each of us all together can step into that great light of inner knowing and be it for ourselves, for others, and the planet. That is the sacred call of all practitioners, which is you, which is me, which is all of us, to practice love to practice resilience, to practice that deeper truth we know in our heart to be and allow it to become with that much more clarity, that much greater tangibility, that much greater creating that space that is in the interest of the highest and best for all. So in love, in healing, and in grace, we allow it to be and become. And so it is. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church Podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, please visit us at milehighchurch.org. Have a fabulous day.